when we approach the topic of brokers, there's various things that need to be explained. And there's a lot of details to these halachas. And I think the first thing that we'll talk about is just the basics of what is a broker. How, how does Chesha Mishmah classify a broker? And this makes a, makes a lot of nafkeminis. So first, let's just talk about what is a broker? What does a broker do? So the truth is that the term broker is a very wide term. Meaning the services that a broker renders vary from broker to broker, industry to industry, from deal to deal. There's no fixed, um, defined, exact uh, standard of what a broker is doing. So, well, let's talk about first the most commonly known broker to everybody, even people not busy with business, and that's uh, Shadchan. Everybody's familiar with the Shadchan, what they do, what they don't do. And it's important to understand that in the halacha sources, in the Seifim, in the Nesakelim, the Chuvis, a Shadchan is treated exactly the same way a financial broker is treated. We consider the service that a Shadchan provides as the same kind of service that a regular broker provides, and his payment is the same, same kind of payment and same halachas. And many of the many of the halachas that are said by Shadchanim are are learned out from halachas of brokers, and the opposite also. Many halachas, the bro, the 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 the, 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 the derive many halachas of brokers coming from the halachas that the Rishonim say by Shadchan. So, so let's talk about a shadchan. So basically, his service is to match a peer. There's two people; they both need something. There's a a a bocher needs a kala. There's a girl; she needs a chasin. So the shadchan steps in and somehow makes that he becomes a chasin, she becomes a kala. That's his job. And the truth is, same thing by a monetary broker. There's two people. One person has a has some kind of property. He needs a buyer. Another person, he needs to buy a property. So a broker steps in and somehow connects these two people and makes the trade happen, makes the deal happen. So, now what does he do? Sometimes the Shadchin, go back to the Shadchin, he or she just gives a good idea, a suggestion. And the family takes the suggestion and works it on, works on, their, on their own and continues it on. So that's that's a that's a, a shadchan service, and this person is a full shadchan. Didn't do that much, but is a shadchan and deserves payment for that. Other times, a shadchan works as an intermediary. Many times, earlier on in the shidduch, it's not comfortable for the two sides to to communicate with each other. It could be awkward. So you need someone just to be the just to give over the messages back and forth. You need someone to do that job, and the shadchan does that job sometimes. So basically a mailman to deliver the various messages back and forth. <coughs> Other time a shadchan does more. You need someone to coax. You need someone to convince and persuade sometimes. That's another, that's a very important input for a shidduch. And a sh you need a good shadchan for that. And a shadchan deserves payment for that. And then you have a next level, which is usually more relevant to a broker in, in monetary things, more than just a shadchan, and that's negotiating negotiating prices and different benefits from each side to negotiate a fear 
deal that both sides will be happy with and feel like they're coming out with a profitable trade. A trade, especially uh, uh, when it's we're dealing with a big thing like a real estate or say or a business, it can be very complicated. There's a lot of different things going on, and you need someone who's skilled and knowledgeable about everything to be able to negotiate something fear between the two parties that they should both be happy with what's coming out. And that, that's what a that's what a broker, a good broker provides. That's a service that he provides, and that's what he's getting paid for. Okay, so now that we just discussed what a broker does in a nutshell, now now let's discuss. So how do we how do we uh, classify a broker? He's doing something and getting paid for. So his that payment. What kind of payment is that? So the paiskim say. Basically, this is a consensus among the paiskim and the rishonim that the payment that we pay a broker is not different than paying any paid worker. You hire someone to wash your windows, you promise them $50, they do the job, you have to pay them for the for the work. A broker also. You hire a broker to do a broker service, he's a worker. He's doing you, he's doing labor. You have to pay him for that labor that he does. He, he found a buyer for you, he found the seller, he did a lot of legwork, he gets paid for that legwork. Or even just suggesting an idea, that's also service. And you owe them for that service. Now this is the negate that a broker is not in any way a partner in the deal. No. <coughs> even if he's collecting a very big commission on the sale. Whatever, 20%, let's say, whatever reason. He's not a partner. He's a worker. He's not a seller. He's not selling my house. I'm selling my house. I'm the one who owns the house. I'm selling. He's just facilitating this sale. He may look like a seller, act like a seller, but he's not the seller. He's only a worker. Now, the nafkamina of that is, is what, how, what's, what's the relationship of the client to the broker? Or more, how does the client become bound to the broker? So that is an afkamina of how we define a broker. Because normally in Choshev Mishpat, in all all, almost all monetary deals, the way the deal happens or is finalized is with a, with a kinyan, some kind of a kinyan. It's whether, whether it's a sale, a lease, a rental, a partnership, a shibut, a lien on a property. All these transactions have to, they, they can only happen when there's a kinyan, some kind of a kinyan. Uh, you could sign a contract, do a Kenyan Sudr, but some formal act of a Kenyan, and that makes it final. That makes the agreement final. There's one exception, that is hiring a worker. The person will explain that this agreement is finalized just by Dibor Ba'alma. You just make up with a worker, you, you talk to him and say, I'm going to give you kach mekach if you do this job. If he follows up with it and he does the job, you owe him. Even though you didn't sign anything, you didn't make any kinyan or anything like that, but just communicating with him, and he acts acts on that, you have to pay him. You have to pay him. Now that's only if he started the work, if he if he backs out, or anybody backs out before the work is started, that's a, that's a different story. But once the, once the work, once he started to do the work, even maybe he just traveled to the workplace, that's enough, then he already, he's my worker. Once he's my worker, just with a verbal commitment, 
I owe him the money. That was made up. And that, that's a that's a in Bava Metzia that I involve him a base. <coughs> it says, Hasarikar is the only behitu, it's Balabais, or Balabais hitta oison, someone hires workers, and the Balabais backs out, or the or the Poilim back out, the Elam Zelzel Tarumis, there's only Tarumis, there's no there's no Tviyas uh, moment. But let's say, that's when they didn't travel to the workplace. Let's say you hired workers to transport wheat, and they went to the field, and there's no wheat there. Um, you have to pay them full price because you said that you're going to pay them to do this work, and they started on the work, and you owe them, just for the ver verbal commitment. So back to brokers. There's the Marjdam, clearly says this, and many can also say this, that that a client becomes bound to a broker just with verbally communicating. I say to a broker, I would like you to be my broker for this deal, I'm going to pay you whatever commission or fee, and the broker does it, you owe the broker now money. There's no, there's no uh, wiggling out or renegotiating the terms once you told him to do the job and he did the job and you said some payment you made up whatever you made up you're you're bound just the debor even though there was no contract signed nothing it's the same as a regular worker that's that's it could even be even even if you just email someone or just text you text the broker you know find me a house I'll pay you a commission or something and he finds a house there's no wiggling out of that. You communicate it and you act upon that. Let's say another another example. Let's say you run a daycare center and you're desperate for moras or subs. And so you put out you you place an ad in the in the classified the weekly newspaper and you you write that um, I'm offering $250 to anybody who finds a mora or a sub for so and so a daycare center, uh, call or text or email whatever. <laughs> you get a two days later. You get a call. You get a message, a voice message on your on your uh, on your answering machine from a little kid, a seven year old kid. He says, um, "I had a very good Mora. And, uh, I had a good counselor last year in camp, and I think she would be a good idea. And my number is whatever. Her number is whatever. And so you give it a try. Why not? You call that Mora. It turns out it's a good idea." You owe that kid $250. That kid act as a qualified broker. You communicated that you're going to give $250 for that work, and that kid did the work, and there's no wiggling out of it that you owe him the money. Because, because, um, because that, that, that ad was a binding commitment. Because it was communicated a clear offer to the broker. Okay, now we're going to talk about when a client is not satisfied or withdraws from the deal. <coughs> so what is his, what's his obligation towards the broker? So we explained before that the very nature of the service that a broker provides is completing a deal. So now in this sense, now, although we said before that the yesoid of the chiv to pay a broker is is like uh, like a, just like a paid worker, he did labor for you, so you pay him for for his work. But in this sense, it's a little it reflects a little bit more a sale than a service, because you're only paying him for the completed deal once it's totally completed. 
before it's completed, if it's not completed, even though he invested time and effort, you don't have to, you don't, you don't pay him yet. You don't owe him yet. So that means that he is getting paid as a regular worker, but the terms and the conditions that govern the chi of me of, 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 uh, for the client to pay the broker, that is similar to that of an actual sale. <clears throat> so that means that for whatever reason, the sale, the, the deal did not go through, the broker put all lave and effish into the deal, but it didn't go through, he doesn't get anything. Doesn't make a difference how much time and effort he invested. Does not get anything because the sale, the deal, did not happen. Now this is this is demonstrated clearly in the Chubas Rush. The Rush has a case over there. Maisa someone had a property, and he want, he needed to sell the property. So he hired a, a broker to find us to find a, a buyer for the house. So the broker worked tirelessly, tire, tirelessly. <laughs> and he finally found someone, he negotiated with that person, the pricing and everything. And, and finally, everything was panned out, everything worked out. So he contacted the seller, that I have good news for you, I found you a buyer, and for good price, everything is ready to go. So he tells the buyer, I'm sorry, he tells the seller, so it, his name is Pliny, and he would like to buy your house. The seller, when the seller hears that, the seller says, he politely declines, thank you, but I'm not interested. Why? So the seller says, because I hate that person. I don't, I'm not going to sell anything to him. So it sounds ridiculous, but well, that's what happened. And so the, the, the broker says, when well, everything is panned out, everything is, everything is ready. It's, you have a deal on the table, on the silver platter. You don't want it? He says, no, I hate him. I'm not selling him anything. So the broker says, okay, give me, some, give me a commission. I did the job. I did it. I delivered you a service, so you don't want it. Okay, give me the commission. Why should I suffer for your personal issues? The rush, talking about that case, and the rush, Paskins, that the broker gets no commission. Now, he points out that the broker does get reimbursed for the expenses that he went through, that he, that he, uh, that he uh, laid out, and the hours that he put into it, because Lamai said he was hired by this person to do the service and he worked for him, but to the commission, the 5 or 6% commission on the deal, he's not getting. Why? Because the deal did not go through. Now, this is where a broker differs from a regular worker. Let's say you hire an interior designer and you make up with him whatever price and he's going to do certain work, and, and then when he's done, you tell him, I, I don't like what you did. I, I hate I hate this design. I don't want to pay you. So I'll pay you for the materials and for the for the hours, but I'm not gonna pay you for the full price. I'm gonna have to redo it, I have to redo it from scratch, I don't wanna pay you. Of course over here, he has no time. He has to pay whatever was made up because you are this person, you agreed on the job and, and this is what they provided you a perfectly uh, satisfactory thing. A broker is different. If you're not satisfied with what the broker is offering and the deal doesn't go through for that reason you don't owe the broker anything so this is where we see clearly how a broker differs from a regular worker so basically if the for whatever trivial reason if the deal didn't go through you don't pay his full commission now it's important to note that there is there's a difference over here it, it, it depends why the deal did not go through 
The Russians told me in a case where the client was not satisfied with the buyer that the, that the broker found. Let's say what happened was, let's say the sell, seller backs out, he's, he decides he doesn't want to sell his house anymore. He's happy with the buyer, very good, but I just don't want to sell, I, I'm just withdrawing from the whole deal. The Archashulchan points out, based on this Chuvah that it's only because the broker has a justif uh, the seller has a justified reason, or maybe not such a good justified reason, but some reason why he doesn't like the service, the product that the broker is providing. But if, he, if, but if he's totally satisfied with the product, he's just withdrawing from the whole deal, then that's his own problem and he owes the broker the full commission because the broker did his full job and provide, deliver the full service, the full product and you have to pay the full commission so let's say let's say back to our daycare case let's say the daycare owner decided the last minute that he'll make do with the motors that he has he's not gonna he's not gonna he's not gonna invest in uh, more motors so he he decided not to hire that uh, that uh, counselor that that kid uh, referred. So the halach over there is that he would still have to pay that kid the two hundred fifty dollars because that kid delivered full a full uh, satis satisfactory product to the client. He was a good qualified broker. It's the client the client the the, the daycare owner is pulling out himself. That's like the Aruch Hashulchan's case. And he still owes the kid the full $250. Now, there would be a difference over here. Let's say in the last minute, before he signed with this, uh, with this Mora that this kid uh, referred, he gets a call from one of his existing Moras from the staff, and she says, you know what, I'm going to extend my hours, and I'll be able to work for you. So that will alleviate his the need for him to get another mora. In that case, the kid will not get the commission, because because this business owner, this uh, daycare owner, he's still on board with this with this deal. He's still looking to hire a mora. He's just looking to get the best mora. So this kid had a good idea, but at the last minute, a better idea came up. Someone else offered a better idea. One of the one one of the mowers on staff offered her services and she's a better she's a better candidate because she doesn't have to be trained in so he he's happier with this option more than that option so of course it's all up to the client which option to choose but again that's only when it when it's a, when it's a, a choice of options but if he just withdraws from the whole thing he he, he has to pay <coughs> so back to real estate this is this is very negaya let's say someone someone hires a, a seller's broker and everything goes through, contract is signed, and a week before the closing, the seller pulls out. So even if the buyer is willing to waive the contract, but he still has to deal with the broker. The broker will have to get his gets his commission. Now, if this if this if is um, if there's any minig or convention in such a case, which is otherwise, if the minig is that you don't pay the broker, or you pay the broker just a certain just a, a percentage or or a discounted avada, you go after the minig, like all hilchas chayshemish. But whenever there's an established minig or convention, you go after that. That's an unwritten rule in every deal that you're always going after the minhagim. But if there's no minig, we're going to go like the Sharach Hashulchan says that you're withdrawing from the deal. You pay him the full commission.
Okay, the next thing we'll discuss is something that's, that's very prone to happen in the world of uh, brokerage. So take the following example. If someone signs on a property and he doesn't, there's no mortgage contingency in the contract. He was bidding on the property, he had to offer a good offer, no contingency. Okay, he doesn't have the cash for closing, but he's hoping to get a mortgage. He applies for a mortgage, complications creep up, and he's denied. denied. Two weeks before closing, he's stuck without a mortgage, he doesn't have the cash for closing, he needs a few hundred thousand dollars for, for, for the closing, and if he doesn't come up with the cash, he's going to lose his deposit, his $30,000 his 30, deposit. So he's desperate. So the only aid that he, he has is, is to get, is to put together partners, equity partners, two or three partners who will fund the project. So he'll preserve his $30,000 that he put in and he'll buy the, he'll buy the property with Schutzfeld. So he, he's stuck. He's desperate. He only has a few days. He goes to shul. After, after davening, he's in the courtroom. He tells the chevra that what's going on, I'm offering $18,000 to anybody who finds me one or two pa oh, partners for my project. So sure enough, 20 minutes later, he has two partners lined up. Some guy put these two guys together and, and everything goes well, Baruch Hashem. Now comes the day of the closing, this, this uh, coat room broker shows up at closing. I'd like to have my $18,000 share. So the fellow says, uh, come on, I was desperate, I was frantic, I, I had all, all my money's going down the drain. So I said, I, I'll give you $18,000, but I didn't really mean it. I'll give you four or $5,000, which is a reasonable commission for such a job that you did for me, but, but $18,000, not quite. I didn't mean it. Come on. What happens over there? Does he owe the money or not? I mean, this person, he was anticipating his $18,000 commission, and he worked hard, or maybe not so hard, and he got those partners, but... So how do we rule this case? So the basic halacha in this case is that this fellow does not get the $18,000. Now, this is illustrated in the Gemara in the following case. The Gemara of Kama in the last parak talks about someone who's escaping jail, and he's desperate to cross the river to go to safe territory. So he's standing there and he spots a fisherman riding a raft. And he calls out, I'll give you a gold coin, something very expensive, a few thousand dollars. I'll give you a gold coin, just get me across the river. So, uh, of course, the fisherman brings his raft there and he takes him across the river. When he gets, a crew, when he gets it out of the side, he tells he's relieved, okay? He tells the guy, okay, I'm going to give you $10. Thank you so much for your service. $10. So the fisherman says, Where I, where's my gold coin? So the Gemara says that this fellas, uh, this uh, runaway is allowed to say, Meshatani Bach. I wasn't serious when I offered you a gold coin. I was desperate. That's what the Gemara says. So based on this, the police can say that any similar case like this, a person is allowed to say, Meshatani Bach, and he does not owe what he promised. Now the principle behind this din is, that for an agreement to be binding, it has to be clear to all parties that it's a serious, that it's a serious offer. In certain desperate situations, when an, an exorbitant fee is made up, and it's very apparent that it's not really so serious, it's not binding. So you just pay for whatever the going rate for that service is, but not the exorbitant amount. 
Now, specifically in brokerage, there are some sources in the Paiskin that seem to say that this rule of the Gemara before does not apply to brokers. The Beis Yosef in Simon Reish Samach Dalit, he quotes the Agois Maimini that says that brokerage fees and Shadchanus fees are unlimited. Whatever they charge, whatever it is, you have to pay them. But at the same time, there are more Paskins that that rule of the Gemara does apply to brokers also, brokers and Shadchan. And you can't collect the exorbitant fee. So based on the Shach over there in Shrei Samach Dalet, the idea seems to be as follows. There are certain cases when there's an established industry based on desperate clients. In that case, that's where that goes, Maimon says that you could charge the, the, the unlimited fee because that's the industry. Take, for example, the certain hard money lenders. They'll broker a jumbo loan overnight for a desperate client, but they'll charge a very high commission. So there's an established industry for instant loan approval for desperate customers. And it comes along with a very high price, but that's the industry. So in that case, whatever crazy fee they charge, he owes it to them. But when someone is working outside the industry parameters, like, like that case in the Gemara, the fisherman, there's no established industry for fishermen rafting a jail runaway across the river. The fisherman is just exploiting this person because he's desperate. In that case, you do not get the exorbitant fee. So back to our case of the person who needs, who offered the $18,000 to get these equity partners. L'chaira, <coughs> there's no industry like that. It's not, it, this guy was, it was just, he was desperate. And that person who agreed to it is, is essentially exploiting this desperate person, so he does not get $18,000, and he'll get whatever commission, whatever a fair commission would be.